Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi there, and welcome to Censored But Not Silence with Rebecca Coppola. I have a very special guest uh, today on my show, Gordon Chang. Gordon is the preeminent U.S.-China expert and expert in uh, Russia, China, and U.S. strategic relations. He's also the author of The Coming Collapse of China. Welcome to my show, Gordon. Thank you so much, Rebecca. We have a lot uh, to unpack today. There are a lot of very important and highly consequential developments for our country. And uh, I'm going to um, start just asking some very, very um, significant questions uh, to Gordon. Um, Russia's China, the so-called no limits strategic partnership. What do you make of it, Gordon? There are various schools of thought. Uh, one school says that they are basically uh, buddies, you know, Putin and Xi. Another school of thought uh, says that they are frenemies. And uh, yet another school of thought that they are really adversaries. What is your professional assessment of this relationship? However one characterizes the relationship between China and Russia, we know that the Chinese are supporting the Russians in the war effort in Ukraine, and that really is the most important thing. So if we go back about two weeks ago, China's third rank leader was in Moscow talking to the State Duma, and he was giving uh, very clear and very explicit support for Ch uh, China supporting Russia's war effort. And then um, Xi Jinping at the summit of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization also spoke of support for Russia's core interests, quote unquote, and that is code for the war in Ukraine. So when we look at their rhetorical support, it's clear the Chinese are all in. But it's not just rhetoric, of course. You know, China has, with these elevated commodity purchases, been effectively financing the war. China has opened up its financial system to Russian institutions that have been cut off of SWIFT, that have been sanctioned by the West. China has put its diplomats in the service of the Kremlin. Um, we know that Ch Communist Party and central government propaganda uh, outlets have been uh, propagating these, China these Russian notions about the war. So for instance, Chinese-owned TikTok is uh, disseminating Russian disinformation. And 
There's open source reporting that uh, China's been feeding location data obtained from Chinese-made drones that the Ukrainians operate. They've been feeding that to Russia so they can take out Ukrainian forces. So um, clearly, China has gone all in. And of course, China has concerns about the way Russia has been um, implementing its uh, policies. Um, but nonetheless, uh, China supports Vladimir Putin. Understood. So you mentioned the concerns that uh, Xi Jinping uh, reportedly expressed to Putin. And Putin reportedly was uh, quite understanding and took those concerns uh, to heart. My question to you is this, um, Gordon, was she genuine when he said that China has concerns? Because from my point of view is uh, Xi Jinping, so there's there's the story uh, that I that I'll tell real quick, and uh, you tell me if this is um, uh, authentic, right? Mao Zedong uh, once said, "There's a monkey. Apparently, uh, monkeys in the Chinese culture is a symbol of cleverness, uh, wisdom, and uh, also power." So Mao Zedong said, "A monkey is sitting atop of the mountain." and it's watching down into the valley where two tigers are clashed in a vicious fight and the monkey is simply watching. So he was describing the relationship between the Soviet Union and the United States. Well, in my assessment, uh, a similar situation uh, we're witnessing right now where China is watching the two other uh, superpowers, if you will, uh, the United States and Russia, which are both threats to China, right? Or at least strategic opponents. And as we're providing tremendous amounts of sophisticated weaponry to Ukraine in order to degrade and defeat the Russian military, we're at the same time uh, degrading our own weapon supply. So how in the world we would defend Taiwan, right? So Xi Jinping is simply sitting and watching. That is my assessment as we're degrading one another's capability. And so is Xi Jinping really having concerns about Putin's combat operations in Ukraine or he's just saying it in order to incur the wrath of the United States and to avoid, you know, potentially sanctions. So he's calibrating his strategy. So if he does have concerns, what are the concerns? Well, I'm, I'm sure that um, Chinese have concerns about the way the Russian war effort is proceeding, because, you know, we've seen um, these uh, partial collapses in the northern sector of eastern Ukraine. The performance of the Russian army from the get-go was disastrous. I mean, everybody, including me, expected Ukraine um, to fold within three or four days. Right, um, but isn't it but, good for China, Gordon? Uh, isn't uh, she delighted to see the abysmal performance, uh, at least at the tactical level and now even at the strategic level uh, of the Russian forces and Vladimir Putin? Well, I think that... Um, I actually think that uh, Xi Jinping wanted Russia to win Ukraine because that would have that would have actually broken a taboo. Um, I mean, it would have um, taken down 
peace and stability. It would have shown the West to be completely feeble. Um, and so um, I actually think that Xi Jinping is concerned that Russia is not winning. Um, and, so, and so therefore, I, I, I tend to think that we are at a point where, um, um, you know, people will tell you, look, China and Russia will never form an enduring partnership. They've got conflicting territorial claims. They compete for influence everywhere around the world, especially Central Asia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I can say, yes, that's right. You know, if we're worried about uh, 60 years from now, maybe we don't have to be there that concerned about Moscow and Beijing. But, but that's not our concern. Our concern is right now. And right now, China is supporting Russia. Um, and the two of them want to take down the international system. The two of them identify the same adversary, which is the United States, and they're working closely together. So that is the reality. And that's the reality that we have to deal with now. So I actually think, and I don't know, but I actually think that Xi Jinping is very concerned that Russia's war effort is failing. He wants to see Russia do well, because if Russia does well, then that gives him a green light to do well with regard to India, Japan, the Philippines, Taiwan, you name it. Well, I absolutely agree with this, uh, Gordon, but it appears as though in the West, uh, Xi Jinping's words were interpreted in a completely different manner. And uh, I think we thought mistakenly, I believe, that Xi Jinping is concerned about Russia targeting civilians and all the casualties and all the destruction. But in my view, Xi Jinping routinely, you know, annihilates, you know, his own population. Um, and you know, you know, you know this better than anyone else does. So in my view, like, why would he be concerned? So do you agree that Xi Jinping does not care about human rights and uh, does not care about all of the destructions and the suffering inflicted by Vladimir Putin on Ukrainians? Yeah, I, I certainly agree, Rebecca. Look, um, Xi Jinping took decisions to deliberately spread coronavirus beyond uh, China's borders. We don't know how COVID-19 started, but we do know that once it started, the Chinese made sure that it spread elsewhere to sort of level the playing field. And that means he's now killed 6.5 million people outside China with a disease that should have been confined to the central portions of that country. So that's mass murder. Um, and he's killing other people with fentanyl and all the rest of it. So, you know, Xi Jinping is not concerned about human life, uh, except for perhaps his own. So this is, uh, you know, we we Americans, we try to sort of think the best of China because we want to. But this is wishful thinking. We're deceiving ourselves. And this is exceedingly dangerous. You know, Biden was good to call out uh, Russia during his U.N. Uh, General Assembly speech, but he was not willing to confront the reality that there is now a new Cold War. Um, he said, well, we don't want one. Well, yeah, nobody wants a new Cold War, but there is one. And this is, um, you know, this is America deceiving itself. This is the way that China and Russia, two far weaker states than America, can actually prevail around the world. Absolutely. Um, yes, we are totally deceiving ourselves, but uh, the Biden administration is also deceiving. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The American people, by not acknowledging that this is effectively a proxy war right now, uh, between Russia and the U.S., but also on Russia's side, it's China. So it's Ukraine, the United States and NATO on one side, and Russia and China on the other side. So yesterday, John Kirby went on um, Fox News with Bill Hammer and um, uh, Dana Perina, and he kept saying how this is the fight uh, between Putin and between Russia and Ukraine, effectively, you know, for democracy, and we're just there to uh, support Ukraine. Well, it is not uh, the full truth. The full truth is that the United States is a long-standing policy. It used to be classified as top secret. Now it's uh, declassified. According to this policy, we will do, and we have been doing everything possible to prevent a dominant power such as Russia or China from emerging again in Eurasia, similar to what the Soviet Union was. And this is what is all about. And unless we devise a, a strategy that is a sophisticated one, not the ad hoc one that the Biden administration has been uh, pursuing, we can be really caught off guard. Believe it or not, uh, it appears as though the Biden administration was caught off guard by Putin's invasion of uh, Ukraine on February 24th. So that means that we're not accurately forecasting the adversary's uh, impending actions and missing all the indications and warnings. So since you mentioned the United uh, Nations and uh, the General Assembly, um, everybody was uh, stunned by Putin's recent uh, declaration of the nuclear threat uh, to the West, or more accurately, what Putin said was that Russia will use all means at its disposal, including uh, means of uh, mass destruction, in order to defend the Russian territory. Well, at the same time, he's also getting ready to annex the portions of Ukraine that Russia currently controls. So my professional intelligence assessment is that there's a 30, above 30% uh, percent chance, but under 50% chance that Putin will launch a low yield nuclear strike in Ukraine to reverse the outcome of the war, to reverse the battlefield conditions right now. So my question to you, Gordon Chang, is this, uh, what would be Xi Jinping's reaction to this possibility if that were in fact uh, to happen? And if you could give us a little bit of the insight in China's uh, nuclear doctrine. I think that Xi Jinping would believe that the taboo about using nuclear weapons was broken if uh, Putin were to use them in Ukraine. 
And that would mean a green light for him to use them against, for instance, Taiwan. You know, the U.S. military does a lot of these tabletop exercises regarding a Chinese invasion of Taiwan, but they don't involve the use of nuclear weapons. And I think that's a mistake um, because, you know, everybody acknowledges how difficult it would be to cross 110 miles of water. Um, but it wouldn't be that difficult if, for instance, China were to nuke Taiwan in the first moments of a war. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think that we need to prepare ourselves for it because we as a nation have not thought seriously about the world's most destructive weapons since the Cold War. Now, Putin, from the very beginning in February, has been using um, the threat of using tactical nukes. Matter of fact, he even threatened the use of his strategic arsenal, his intercontinental ballistic missiles. He did that when he launched the invasion of Ukraine. On February 27th, he actually put his nuclear forces on high alert. On March 1st, he even um, sortied his ballistic missile submarines and his land-based mobile missile launchers. So there's no doubt that uh, he's thinking about this. I don't know whether he'll do it or not. Um, I don't know enough about the politics inside the Russian military and the Kremlin, but he's preparing to do it. So we need to be prepared for him if he does do it. And we need to be prepared about the Chinese doing it because the Chinese, going back to July of last year, threatened to incinerate Tokyo for its express support for Taiwan. In September, they threatened to nuke Australia because it was joining the AUKUS pact with the UK and the US. On March 10th, the Chinese military threatened, quote unquote, worst consequences for anybody helping Taiwan. So the Chinese have been making these threats as well. And by the way, the North Koreans have gotten in on this by threatening the first use of nukes. So right now, deterrence is breaking down and we've got to be prepared for worse consequences. Agreed. The deterrence is completely breaking down, as you said, uh, Gordon Chang. Uh, the Biden administration, in my view, is um, basically uh, creating the coalition of dictators. It's not just Russia and China, you know, as you just pointed out, North Korea, Iran. Um, so they are all now teaming up and uh, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization where Putin and Xi just recently uh, met and sort of uh, renewed their vows to, to speak um, uh, in their <laughs> no limit strategic partnership. Um, um, uh, even, you know, Iran has signed the memorandum of, uh, of for the upcoming membership. And uh, as you said, also uh, SWIFT, the China and Russia creating their own versions of SWIFT to pass transactions, payments in Chinese Yuan and uh, the Russian ruble. So this is what gives them the confidence, both Putin and Xi, that over the long term, they can bypass the United States. They can bypass um, our international financial system that took decades to create. And so unfortunately, the policies of the current administration are pus pushing all of these uh, US adversaries, very formidable adversaries uh, together. So, um, so this is tremendous. So basically you said that if Putin were indeed to cross that nuclear threshold, which is a taboo, he would green light 
uh, China's potential use of nuclear weapons as well on Taiwan. Did I understand this correctly? Because this is breaking news right here. Yes, I think so. And the, and the reason is that there is a taboo. Um, but once that taboo is broken, then it becomes much easier to um, for China to use its uh, tactical nukes or maybe even its strategic weapons on Taiwan or others. That's 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 common sense. Um, and once you know, once you have war starting, then it makes it much easier to start other wars. And Rebecca, just just think about the dynamic. Okay, Russia invades Ukraine. Well, what's happening right now? Well, because Russia's not doing well. Azerbaijan thinks it can go after Armenia, renewing the war that they had, which was settled um, in November of 2020. But, uh, I, you know, Azerbaijan thinks, well, Russia's weak now. It can't help Armenia. So you got that. You got Turkey actually threatening again to seize Greek islands. Um, this is just this is war spreading. And that's the same dynamic for the use of nukes. Um, once you have one use, then it becomes much easier to uh, for other countries to do the same thing. Yes, exactly. Um, so my concern is that the Biden administration is not prepared uh, right now for the possibility, as you said, we must act as though Putin will do it because the Russian uh, military culture, right, and the uh, general staff strategic planning is prone for worst case scenario assessments, right? So, and we should be doing the same because we can't possibly be caught off guard. And if Putin does indeed do that, what is the response? And right now, there's no indication that the Biden administration is prepared to even deter such an action, much less to respond to it, because I think they are gambling on Putin not doing that. The whole speech that um, President Biden delivered at the United Nations is, again, just simply words, right? It's just that it's a more elaborate and more eloquent way of uh, of calling Putin the killer, you know, last, um, last time I remember that uh, that's his... Uh, lexicon. But Putin is not afraid of words. Putin is afraid of actions. And in terms of tactical nuclear weapons, uh, the previous administration, ironically, um, the one that was accused of being uh, in cahoots with the Putin's government, um, President Trump did in fact authorize the development of the low-yield nuclear warhead for our forces, which struck in the heart of Putin's escalate to de-escalate doctrine. Well, the Biden administration went ahead and canceled that. And so what is right now our posture? It's really not clear. And all the three sides in my assessment are gambling. The Biden administration is gambling that Putin will not do that, will not use tactical nukes. The Russian government is gambling that we're going to back out and we will stop uh, delivering aid 
to Ukraine, which I don't believe we would. And Zelensky is gambling that if Putin indeed were to um, launch a nuclear strike, then the full might of the NATO force would unleash, you know, against Russia and basically defeat the Russian military. And so there is no plan. Can you please comment uh, whether you agree, disagree on my assessment that we are on a very dangerous trajectory right now on that escalatory path? And this is exactly the path that Putin and the Russian general staff has envisioned. And this is precisely why they developed that doctrine. Um, so if you could please give us your professional assessment and comment on uh, on my uh assessment here. The important thing here is that the U.S. does not have a credible uh, deterrent to Russia's use of tactical nukes um, because um, we have tactical nukes, but most of them are just gravity delivered bombs, which are not much of a deterrent because for a lot of technical military reasons. It takes time to get them to the target. Planes can be shot down before they get near where they're supposed to be going. So what we need are cruise missiles with uh, nuclear tips, um, but we don't have them. And um, so the only threat that we really have against a, a deterrent would be to, to launch our um, intercontinental ballistic missiles. And that's not a credible threat um, because Putin right? is this not... takes it into, into a whole new you know, nuclear warfare domain. Would you agree with that or disagree? Yeah, I mean, the Russians know that we're not going to launch ICBMs um, against them for the use of tactical nukes in Ukraine. So that's not a credible deterrent. And, uh, you know, what we need are those um, cruise missiles on submarines um, with nuclear weapons. That would be a real deterrent. Um, but unfortunately, we don't have that. So um, this is exceedingly dangerous. You know, as you point out, Russia has the doctrine of escalate to de-escalate, or as General Hyten said before he retired, escalate to win, um, which is, I think, a, probably a more direct way of, of describing it. But the point is that uh, Russia has had this doctrine, and we've known about this, of threatening or actually using tactical nukes early in a conventional conflict to win. So um, it is... Uh, you know, it was wrong for the Biden administration to cancel the programs uh, of developing these types of weapons because they really are the only practical deterrent to a Russia for using tactical nukes. And, you know, we have to assume that cities like Kiev are going to be completely destroyed by the Russians and that the Russians, although they have failed up to now, um, could easily just take over the rest of Ukraine um, by just rolling in over a radioactive wasteland. Um, I don't know what NATO would do. I tend to think Biden would not oppose that. Um, but I do think that the United States would uh, use economic and other sanctions that would severely affect Russia, much more than the sanctions we have in place now. But I think that that is an inadequate response to the use of nuclear weapons. And I do fear that Putin will actually use his tactical nukes to reverse his declining fortunes in Ukraine. Gordon, please clarify again your assessment of the of the blue force and the blue position right now, uh, whether you believe uh, President Joe Biden would 
or would not uh, authorize the involvement of the NATO forces in the Ukraine conflict and um, nuclear use. Can you please um, re restate again your assessment of that? My guess, and it's only a guess, Understood. is that Biden would not uh, authorize uh, NATO to fight Russian forces in Ukraine. And I, the reason why I, I, I don't have any special insight at all, but the point is that we know that Biden was intimidated by Putin's threats to use nukes before the invasion. And so therefore we have not seen a robust American response to oppose the Russian invasion. We've seen some response, but obviously not enough. And so I think that uh, Biden has, in fact, been intimidated by the threats to use nuclear weapons. And that really concerns me because what he's probably going to be intimidated by a Chinese threat to use their nukes against Taiwan or some other country. So, um, you know, I at this particular time, I just see war spreading. Um, I don't know how it will spread. I don't know where it'll spread. I mean, I was taken by surprise by the fighting between Armenia and Azerbaijan. I mean, I just that was something that just stunned me. But it shows you this is how wars will spread. This is this is we're seeing a, like a slow motion beginning to the Third World War. This is actually how World War II started. You know, we think of World War II, September 1st, 1939. Well, no, it actually started in China. You had the invasions of the Japanese into China um, over a course of a decade. And, you know, eventually just war sort of spilled over. Um, and that's exactly what's occurring right now. Absolutely. Uh, this is really, really uh, concerning. Um, another concern is that I don't believe an average uh, American person is aware of the level of threat that we are facing. And um, the, the worst case scenario, uh, despite the fact that it's, you know, low probability, it's high risk. And the probability is um, increasing in my assessment. So it's perhaps right now at moderate probability uh because we we are you know so busy americans are experiencing you know our own domestic upheavals uh, here and uh, the level of trust um is is definitely decreasing in our public institutions because of everything that um that it's going on and so it appears as though that um the biden administration um is taking advantage of, uh, of the fact that Americans are distracted and really is not telling the truth what the risks are. Um, I'd like for you to comment on one more um, uh, assessment of mine or, um, or view rather. So we're at a point where I believe uh, America needs to prioritize our own security interests, especially when it comes to the conflict. If it were to cross the nuclear threshold, right? We need, yes, we'll love Ukrainians. Um, we want them to live in a democracy. We want Syrians and Afghanis to live in a democracy and everyone in the world. But 
in some cases, in many, many cases, uh, the Jeffersonian style of government is just simply not in the cards. And um, today, if we were to really cross that Rubicon, or not we, but Putin, we meaning, you know, we, the we, the global we, so, so to speak, we are in a completely different um, world. And so how would you come out of um, such a situation if you were President Biden, if you were an advisor, what would you advise you know, him to do? How would you prioritize US interests versus Ukraine's interest, which they're not one and the same, um, and um and, and can those be pursued at the same time how does one come out of this showdown in this highly risky situation that we are in i know it's a very difficult question um and um and let, let's just let's just give it a shot the best way to deter china which is the bigger threat than russia but the best way to deter China is to make Putin pay, to make Russia pay. So I believe that uh, we have to make sure that Ukraine recovers all its territory, including Crimea, and um, that uh, Putin is hunted down and that he is uh, brought before the International Criminal Court or whatever. But I think the Chinese need to see um, Russia fail because then I think they'll have second thoughts about aggression of their own. But if Putin ends up with more territory um, or if Putin is able to survive, then um, that's a very bad example that uh, we're permitting. So I know that it's exceedingly dangerous, but now that we're in a point, every path forward is exceedingly dangerous. And um, it's unfortunate, but uh, I do believe that we need to make sure that um, Russia is completely thrown out of Ukraine. It's going to be difficult, but um, if we don't, we're going to have um, World War Three. Okay, so so you believe, despite you know Putin's threat, despite the fact that there's a probability, however low or moderate it might be, we must continue pushing Putin back into the corner, even if we are risking uh, nuclear war. Is that is that your position? Yes, because if we don't do that, we'll have nuclear war in Asia. And um, we have we have fallen. We have got to a point where this is exceedingly, exceedingly dangerous. This is the most dangerous times um, that I've lived through. Uh, I think it's even far more dangerous than um, the Cuban Missile Crisis of 1962 or the Checkpoint Charlie crisis of the preceding year. And the reason, Rebecca, I say that is because although those crises looked like they could have brought about the end of the world, we now know from the archives that neither Khrushchev nor Kennedy was willing to use their nukes. We're not, we don't know that about Putin and Xi Jinping right now. So um, I think that uh, we are in a far more dangerous um, path. And unfortunately, I don't see the Biden administration. I don't see the West. I don't see our friends and allies around the world um, 
doing what is necessary to um, ensure peace. I'm not saying that um, forcing Russia um, into uh, that, that that forcing Russia out of Ukraine is going to work, but I'm saying it's the only path that can work, and that these ideas of Kissinger and others that you need to negotiate. Those are just short-term settlements that only postpone and make the problem bigger later on. Understood. Uh, do you believe that as the commander-in-chief, Biden has the responsibility to uh, explain to the American people the high stakes that uh, you right now have articulated? Because Americans are in the dark about what's going on. They've, and half of the population really um, doesn't understand why we are supporting Ukraine in the first place, Ukraine being not part of vital interests of the United States, meaning that our territorial integrity and our long-term survivability are not in no way dependent on Ukraine. And yet we have this very long-term policy that is bipartisan, you know, by the way, both Democrats and Republicans uh, support this long, <clears throat> excuse me, long-term policy to prevent Russia and or China from emerging as the dominant strategic players in Eurasia. And so what, if you believe that Biden has the responsibility to explain to Americans, um, tell us, you know, what, what should he do that he is not doing to make sure that we are prepared because in my assessment, and uh, well, it's not really my, the, the, it is, there's an existing assessment uh, based on the Russian doctrine that Russia would launch cyber strikes, including on Europe and the United States in order to preempt the intervention of US and NATO into the conflict. So my feelings that the American people must be prepared. What is your um, uh, view on this point? Yeah, I have said that Biden has an obligation to address the American people, um, to tell them that uh, this is no longer peacetime. And I've also said that I think the United States should move to DEFCON too, um, because the Russians and the because the Russians are at war and the Chinese are preparing to go to war. And the Chinese are not only building up their military, the fastest buildup since the Second World War, but they're also mobilizing the Chinese civilian society for war. So I believe that we need to do the same thing. And I believe that, you know, Biden uh, on February 28th told the American people not to worry about nuclear war. Um, I think he should now tell them, yes, we need to worry about it. I agree. Um, thank you so much, uh, Gordon Chang, for coming on my podcast today, Censored But Not Silenced. Um, I would like to um, direct the, the readers and uh, my viewers to where they can find you. Tell us your social media and tell us where you publish your analysis, where they can purchase your book uh, so that they can benefit from this um, incredible uh, professional expertise and the analysis that you have. I archive my articles for free on my website, which is www.gordonchang.com, G-O-R-D-O-N-C-H-A-N-G.com. And I tweeted uh, at Gordon G. Chang. Excellent. Um, 
Thank you again. This is uh, Rebecca Koffler with uh, Censored But Not Silenced. If you like this podcast, please like, subscribe. Um, I am on Twitter and Getter with the handle Rebecca, R-E-B-E-K-A-H, at 0132. Thank you again, Gordon Chung. It's been a pleasure to have you on Censored But Not Silenced. Thank you, Rebecca.